Welcome to another episode of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. And I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. And today, I you already know how, how it's going to begin. But before I even get into my excitement about the guests that I have on the show, I just want to say a few quick words. First, Thank you for everyone that is sharing the links, that is subscribing to the podcast, downloading the podcast. We are blowing past 2,500 downloads, approaching 3,000 downloads. And thank you for the support, the emails, the text messages, the calls. I mean, we do this for y'all. We do this to inspire and empower other people. So thank you so much. So if you haven't done already, please, please, please tell a friend about the episode. Tell a friend about the Minority Trailblazer podcast. And please rate the show. It definitely helps the movement. So that's all I gotta say. And this show is special. It's a pretty long show. You know what? We we go we go pretty long. So you can break it up into two parts. It's around fifty four minutes. But I think it's an incredible show about a former athlete and how she used her multiple injuries to propel her to to bodybuilding, to fitness, and also doing hair. Like you don't meet too many bodybuilders that do hair and do hair good. So I really think this this story is gonna be powerful for those um former athletes, the people that are trying to transition to something brand new. And I really think it's a very honest, vulnerable and transparent interviews. And honestly one of the the, the best interviews I've done thus far. So uh please tune in. Thank you for listening to the show. And real quick, if you're on Instagram, you can follow us at Minority Trailblazer. That's the podcast Instagram. I'm working on getting more active on it, so y'all gonna see more posts, but please follow us at Minority Trailblazer. And if you're new to the podcast, you know this podcast is centered on minorities that are doing amazing things in the culture and the community and a lot of different industries. And our focus and our mission and our vision is to empower, inspire, and motivate our future current generation of leaders all right so um i know i teased y'all let, let me just get off the mic and let my guest get on the show she needs no introduction i'm about to read her introduction um and it's just so like gosh i'm about to read it i'm gonna read it how she sent it to me I am, a, I am a Florida native and proud graduate of the University of Florida, and she did not mention she went to A&T, but we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna hold that against her, <laughs> where I was a member of the track and field team. I have a very athletic background, a super athletic family. Out of my three siblings, I'm the only one who did not pursue my sport on a professional level. My passion for helping others grew as I got older. Before moving to Los Angeles, where she is currently located, she lived in Atlanta, where she completed cosmetology school and started her path as a personal and performance training. Now she has then since then relocated to Los Angeles, and she's been able to compete in her first NPC figure show, and we get to the, the acronym of what that stands for in the show, and she placed in the class and qualified for NPC Nationals. Competing was her way to show people to never settle and get comfortable with yourself because there's always room for growth and improvement. And since then, she's been more motivated than ever to help others reach their full potential and become a better version of themselves. That's powerful. Yikes. She's a hairstylist, health coach, urban life representative, and she is one of the fittest females in the world. Like crazy. So let's introduce Lauren Smith to the show. <laughs> Oh, hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. No problem. No problem. So before we dig in, I'm going to give the audience a chance to, uh, for we might have some new listeners. So I'm going to show them the format of the show. It's in three parts. 
first section, it's all about Miss Smith. We're going to learn about her background, her story, kind of how she got in and how she molded herself into becoming the person she is today. The second part of this show, we're going to talk about her business as far as being a, a health coach, being a motivator, and a little bit of herbal life. And the third part, we're going to talk about the future, the future for Lauren Smith. I know she just mentioned she uh, competed and went to NPC National, so I want to kind of know when our audience and, and you want to know what the future has in hold, and I'm going to ask her more questions. And then the last round, the most exciting round, the culture change round, where we ask a series of six rapid-fire questions and get rapid fire answers. So now back to Miss Smith. Miss Smith, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, <clears throat> and let's go. All right. So, like you stated earlier, I'm originally from Tallahassee, Florida. Um, after graduating from high school, I attended North Carolina AT for two years, and after that, I transferred to the University of Florida. Ran track at both of those schools. Uh, college was tough athletically um for me you know I under I had a, a lot of injuries you know that just followed me all the way through college and it was extremely extremely discouraging um mm-hmm. <laughs> it was tough mm-hmm. it was it was really really tough um I had my sister who was you know all-american in track and field my, my brother who was all-american and you know football, all SEC or whatever. They were really, really, really good at their sport. And you had me. I was mm-hmm. like, goodness, I just struggled. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Maybe, you know, track is not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Post-college, you know what I mean? I love the sport. I love, love, love the sport. But, you know, due to my injuries, I was never able to excel and be you know, the runner that I felt like I could be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't let that stop me from moving on, mm-hmm. you know, like. Um, <clears throat> but one thing I did find was that I love doing hair. Mm-hmm. I've been doing hair since I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just liked it. You know, if I wasn't running, then I was doing hair, which was cool. <laughs> if you're not which, running, you're doing hair. I yeah. like that. <laughs> which it was like, hmm. Okay, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting because they seem to be like the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And then like with me being natural, I've been natural my entire life. Oh, exercising and hair definitely does not go hand to hand. (laughs) So Uh I always thought that was really funny. But I realized in me doing hair, I was like, you know, people kind of like me. Like This is kind of (laughs) cool. I always found myself, you know, talking to people and listening to their situations yeah and i was like because like, mm. like being a hairstylist you're kind of like a therapist too because i mean <laughs> right because you're yeah. doing their hair and they want to tell you everything about their life you're like oh i've been doing your hair girl yeah yeah they want to tell you everything so i was like okay cool um oh and i didn't mention uh while i was at ant i be, I became a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Well, you had to plug that in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I feel like that also played a really big role into a lot of the decisions that I've made thus far. Because mm-hmm. I grew up, um, growing up in Tallahassee, which is a small college town, mm-hmm. I've always been really, really involved around the city and just in my community. And as a child, I don't know anything about Greek life, uh, but growing up, I realized that the ladies, who were always around and out in the community, you know, Saturday mornings and 
Sunday evenings, you know, or just throughout the week in the summertime, they were Delta women. I had no idea Mm -hmm. at the time when I was young, Um, but that definitely played a big role, uh, has played a big role in, you know, the decisions that I've made today. But um, they just giving back. And I felt like, well, why not give back, you know? And I didn't realize that I was helping people until I'm like, Lauren, you know, you send that when people send down getting their hair done, that's like an intimate three hours. That's a real, (laughs) that's an intimate, you know, three hours. And they will always come back. I always come back. Despite if I like the hairstyle, that's not, that's up to them. They Mm -hmm. like the hair or not, but um, they always came back. Mm -hmm. And so moving forward, I decided my senior year of college that I wanted to go to cosmetology school. Mm -hmm. Um, which was a really, really big deal because by this time, you know, I was on a pre-med track thinking I'm about to go to dental school. So when I sprung that over my parents, I'm going to cosmetology school. They were like, no. What? They're like, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they were like nah, we're not paying for that. Like uh-huh. they just straight up, we're not paying for that. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> and they told me, they uh-huh. say, you know, if you want to go to grad school and get your master's, we will pay for that, but we're not paying for cosmetology school. Cosmetology school, and I'm like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, being a, a, a rebel child, <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember going to Atlanta, visiting the school, getting all the paperwork that I need to get so that I could attend Paul Mitchell um, in Atlanta. And my parents had no idea mm-hmm. that I did all of this. So a couple of weeks before graduation, sat my parents down, let them know what was about to happen. They still were like, no, we're not supporting this. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm like, you know what? It's my life. I got to live it to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and make my own decisions now. So that's what I did. Um it's a 12-month program. I mm-hmm. finished in nine months. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really weird. Going into cosmetology school, I'm like, yeah, I want my own salon. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, I had all these plans. Mm-hmm. When I got into cosmetology school, I said, oh, wow. Okay. There are some levels to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay, I get it. All right. This is, in- it was very interesting in the sense that, first of all, you had men and women from 18 to old enough to be my grandma. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. A lot of little kids that I went to school with, um, I started, my class started with like 20-something kids. About, I was, it was definitely under 30, so it was 20-something kids. And a lot of them, it was only two of us that had went to college and had degrees in Myself and another young lady. And our mindsets were completely different Mm -hmm. from the rest of the kids in our class. Yeah. They could only see as far as the next day. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind. And I was just like, okay, some of y'all are here because y'all really have a passion for the cosmetology world. Mm -hmm. And some of y'all are here because your parents saying you can't stay in this house unless you're in school. You don't have to go to college, but you have, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I just don't feel like many of them had big dreams. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they weren't exposed yeah. growing up. I have no idea. Uh, and then to another thing I realized, I said, I'm here for 12 months supposed to be anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen in mm-hmm. 12 months. And I said, life happens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like nobody was there to help us deal with the fact that life happens. Mm-hmm. We were just in school. They teaching us how to do hair, teaching us how to run the business. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Half the class, you know, you usually don't. Kids don't finish or it takes them longer than 12 months to finish because of the simple fact that life happens and they don't they're not able to see the grand scheme of why they're doing what they're doing today. Uh-huh. And I live by this motto. I say to myself, Lauren, do something today to make tomorrow a little easier. <laughs> oh, see, like, see, because Lauren, Lauren, like, it's crazy. Before the show, Lauren asked me this question, and now Lauren got the, the game piped out. She's going step by step through all the show. I can't even say, Lauren, we start the show off with a quote, and Lauren just jumps off. But, Lauren, please, you already said the quote, and I like it. Can you repeat it? And then also tell us one story about how you use that quote. No, that's not even a quote, it's a manifestation. It's something you live by, you are. So say it one more time so we can hear it, and then tell us a story about how you apply it every single day. I don't know, one story in particular, how you applied it, my bad. Okay. Um, well, my motto, my quote that I like to live by, um, <clears throat> I tell myself, Lauren, do something today that will make tomorrow a little easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I'd like to do, I mean, this is this is really simple. Some people, they might think, oh, that's nothing. But I always, when I wake up in the morning, you know, I give thanks to God. Um, and I always pray and ask him to prepare me for whatever is about to happen throughout the day, mentally, physically, please prepare me because mm-hmm. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And before I go to bed every night, I have to reflect on what happened today. What happened today? How did I handle that situation whenever whatever happened? And how could I have handled that situation different? Maybe it could have went left or maybe that situation could have been right. So just in case, you know, something happens tomorrow mm-hmm. or I see something within it. And when I say do something today to make, that will make tomorrow easy, that's just a figure of speech because it may not necessarily be tomorrow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could be referring to like, you know, next week, next month, a year or whatever. Basically do something today that's going to make, you know, open doors for your future. Mm-hmm. That's basically what that quote means. I write out my goals, uh-huh. you know, on my mirror in the morning time. You brush your teeth every morning. You looking at yourself in the mirror. And I write out everything as if it's in present tense, like it's happening right now. Uh-huh. And I get to see that every morning when I wake up. Uh-huh. That's huge. That's, every- uh-huh. <laughs> and you can't miss it. You can't miss it. That day you wake up late, you're like, oh, man, it's like I, I roll up at like 10 o'clock. You look in the mirror like, dang, I thought I said I was supposed to make $10,000 this month. You got to go get it because mm-hmm. it's staring right at you. Yesterday, when you did your okay, what 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 could I do better? What happened? Whatever. Can you share with us yesterday? Because I'm gonna put you on the spot. Yeah, what happened yesterday? What thing happened? And, and it don't gotta be too personal, but what thing transpired yesterday? A situation, and you did your analysis at the end of the day. And can you kind of share that with the audience? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Yeah. I can't. I mean, it's kind of like an everyday struggle. Mm-hmm. This is an everyday struggle for me. Mm-hmm. As much as I like to speak my future into existence, um, I have to remember to calm down and celebrate small, small victories. victories. Yeah. And yesterday... I was able to spend time with my sister and my baby brother. And um, <clears throat> I didn't even think about the past. You know, this thing, there's one of the, one of my, um, I don't know, future tenses, mm-hmm. present tense that I have written on my mirror. It says, I enjoy spending time with my family. And, um, I never stopped to realize that that's actually, you know, what I've been able to do, you know, more frequently now. And I guess, not I guess, I mean, yesterday I had to realize, Lauren, what else can you do in order to make sure this stuff continues to happen? To be able to spend good quality, carefree time with your family, because I don't care what anybody says, money is big. Money can make or break relationships, family relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, marriages, people let money come in between that. And through celebrating small victories and I feel like being able to spend valuable time with my family, that's a big victory. I don't that's not a small victory to me. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really big victory. And then before I went to bed last night, I was like, Lauren, you got a lot of work to do. If you want to continue to have more days like this, like you, you know, so um, that may not resonate with many people. But for me, somebody that, you know, I grew up with, um, we were really, really close. My family is close. And now we're kind of spread out. My parents are still in Florida. I have a brother in Arkansas. My little brother, he travels a lot. Um playing minor league baseball right now. And then you have my sister and I, we out here together. Um, it's tough. We don't get to see each other often. Even my sister and I living in the same house. We don't <laughs> see each other often. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, she's busy. Yeah. <laughs> she's busy and, you know, I'm busy and I know how much, you know, we mean to one another. So just to be able to, spend a few hours with each other that's really big for us that's that's really powerful to be honest because a lot of people even myself i I just added it this year when i write down my stuff but you never think to put in time with your loved ones on your calendar or on your goals because you we kind of take it for granted we just think oh that's oh we just gonna do that by default but you know mm-hmm. once you get older you get busy it just don't happen sometimes mm-hmm. you can just forget all about that oh yeah Oh, trust me. Oh, trust me. I know. But when, when we come back together, it, it regrounds me and, you know, it humbles me all over again, you know, because we are one another's. We keep each other motivated mm-hmm. at, at our lowest points, at our highest points. You know, we keep each other motivated. And it's just it's really it's really big to me. And I can see, you know, I, I, our generation. I don't know. I feel like we losing sight of what's really important mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and i don't ever want to lose sight of what's really important so me being able to spend time with my family that's always going to be one of my number one goals um one of my number one 
achievements in life, not just my family that I have right now, but the family that I aspire to have Mm -hmm. when I get married, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's really big. And I want to, because we're about to transition to the next phase of the show. But before we do, I want to ask a question because I think you spoke about you spoke about it, like you, you said, when times get hard. And mm-hmm. for anybody that that, that is going through this show, um, we, this is a very transparent show because we're about pushing each other forward. And online, they're going to see, okay, you just talk about your family. Your family is full of all American athletes, some of the best athletes in, in the country. And uh, even though even even you even though you weren't all American, but you were a, a, I'm not gonna curse on the show. You were a damn well good athlete for from, I from was the outside. Okay. Yeah, it was a, you you be I a moderate, know. but you're better than 98 percent of the people that claim to be runners. You feel me? Okay. And from the outside looking in, people will see, oh wow, Instagram. She has like 50 thousand followers. She get four lights, four phone. Oh, she's booming. Or you see your shape because you people that don't know. Um, She's a specimen, like a specimen. Like the whole, like, I don't know what the Smith family does or what what is going on in that factory, but they need to get that mojo to the, the half of the American population. But so they might think, oh my God, how could she ever have a down day? Like, I mean, she's getting it out there. She's training, she's training. And you talked about your injury. So you walk us through a story and you can make it brief, but a story where you kind of had a rough time. Maybe, maybe it could be an injury or whatnot, but you had a rough time. And what you learn from it and how what you learn impacts you today. Oh, I can take you straight back to my senior year um, of college. Mm-hmm. I It was a week before outdoors. Um, and we had flying 180, 150, 180, 150, 120. What's that mean? You know I remember this like yesterday. I'm okay. giving details. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Man, God, it's a great interview. I love it. I love it. So, um, our coach uh, at UF... He called me Little Mama, uh-huh. or he would call me L Boogie. But uh, this particular day, I remember I was training with the boys, and uh, it was like, Lauren, go first. You go first. And I'm like, all right, y'all, all right. Um, and I warmed up pretty good that day. I was a little sore, but I thought I was because, you know, I got a, a nice deep tissue massage the day before. So I was like, oh, I'm just a little sore. Let me just do some more strides real quick. Went back in the training room. I got stretched uh, again, and I was like, "Okay, so I could, I should be, I should be good. I'm ready." And my coach was like, "All right, little mama, you up?" And uh, I thought I was about to have a booming day, and I was probably about 50 meters from the finish line. And next thing you know, I was boohoo crying, and they was carrying me off the track. I was just in tears. Um, Make long story short, I end up tearing. It was a half tear, um, my rectus femoris. Um, well, it's a, rectus. Oh my god! Um, and um, that was it. That was it for me. Um, was I sad? Heck yeah! I was really. I was. <laughs> I didn't know. I was sad. I was mad. I, I was a lot of things. I was like, yo, I have never been able to complete one full season mm-hmm. never it was it's all it was, if it wasn't one thing it was another um it was just it was really hard i don't even know what those spikes are that i had on that day i just remember getting carried into the training room after that um i didn't want to come to practice i didn't want to go get treatment and I remember one of my teammates asking me, Lauren, you're not coming to practice? I was like, for what? I'm not practicing. 
mm-hmm. they were like, but, you know, we need you at practice. I was like, no, nah, y'all don't need me. <laughs> <laughs> they hit with the angry black woman I, voice. Y'all don't, I don't know. No, y'all don't need me. Uh-uh. I was like, no, nah, y'all, y'all don't need me. Y'all good. I was like, I'm just dead weight. You know, like, I ain't no good to y'all. And they were like, no, nah, we definitely need you in practice. Like, we need your energy. We, I was like, but guys, I'm, I'm hurt. You know what I mean? And that just made me realize this thing is way bigger than you, Lauren. This ain't got nothing to do with you. This is bigger than you. My coach even told me, you know, I, would, I know you hurt. I know this is tough for you, but I would like for you to come back to practice and support the girls because they would, they would like that. They need you. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, no, they don't. They don't need me. And um, I was being selfish at the time, saying that they didn't need me. It was just I didn't want to be there. And why everybody seemed to be in such good spirits and I'm down. Um, <clears throat> but I had to realize my attitude, um, the personality that I brought to the team is what they needed. Um, the confidence that I brought to the team. Um, I worked hard. I was a really hard worker. I didn't complain. I did what I was supposed to do um, and kept it moving. And a lot of them, a lot of my teammates, they were they were disciplined. But you still need that extra. Some people need that extra. Mm. Mm-hmm. They need that extra, you know, kick. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that was so... That was really, really hard. <laughs> I, I maybe my athletes out there could understand, yeah. but it, when you when you growing up and you grew up doing something and you love what you're doing, and you cannot be out there with your team competing, practicing, and all that kind of stuff, that's a really big, that's a humbling situation, mm-hmm. and it hurts because in your head you're thinking, well, this is what I do. And that's when I was like, okay, Lauren, your next move, you really going to have to make sure this is going to be really good because obviously this track thing is not what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I realized how I can continue helping people. I just have to go go about it a different way because I can't stay here with the track team in college for forever, motivating yeah. them in practice. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's good for the rest of the season, but right. they like, I'm going to come back, hey, I'm just going to be Lauren the motivator? And, okay, but you you just hear, hey, work harder. Like, that's not, yeah. So, and that's a great transition into where you are today because you talk about cosmetology school, track, fitness. So bring us to current time. So are, 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 is you doing hair for five hours and then you're training for five hours and then you're doing <laughs> bodybuilding? Like, okay, walk us like, uh, so what What do you do now? Like, this that's a great segue. Great story. Great segue. Let's take it from there. <laughs> um, this transition to California has been crazy. I ain't uh-huh. even, I'm not even going to lie. It's a whole nother life. Granted, it's, it's really um, funny because I came out here um, as a graduation gift uh, when I finished college. That was my first time in Los Angeles, but I always said I want to move to L.A. But I'd never been out here before. I just figured I know West Coast life different from East Coast. And being into cosmetology, the it's a different world out here. So I used to say all the time, I want to come out here. <sighs> Next day came. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up and I went running. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my hair stayed 
<laughs> so you just said because just because you were running your hair station you're like oh this is it yeah. i got one <laughs> i was like yes oh my goodness for the first time in life i go running with my hair straight and it was still you know perfect so i'm thinking at the cosmetology school i'm moving to la blah 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 i tried to tell my sister let's move to california i'm thinking i'm going straight from atlanta to la did not happen like that no um, <clears throat> I end up moving out here and it caught me by surprise. I was like, oh, this is a whole nother monster. I was a small fish when I still am a very tiny fish. I'm a tadpole in a really big pond. <laughs> <laughs> before moving out here, that's when I got, I started doing Herbalife before I even came to LA. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was just doing it for me. And then I saw, and then other people saw me doing it, and they wanted to get into it. And I was like, oh, okay. Quick question. I went, can yes. You, can you give us 30 seconds to say, what is Herbalife? Because I'm still confused. What is Herbalife? It, <laughs> it's a nutrition company mm-hmm. which promotes a healthy, active lifestyle. Okay, cool. That makes sense? Yeah, that was simple. Oh. I love it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I started doing Herbalife, which was cool. And once again, another situation where I was doing it for me. I'm being selfish again. This is about Lauren. It's about me. So I'm doing it for me. But other people, they start watching. And they're like, oh, what's that? We want to do it too. And next thing you know, here I am. I'm not doing just doing hair again. I'm doing hair and I'm helping people, you know, with their fitness. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. This fitness thing always comes back. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm trying to get away <laughs> from it or not. It, <laughs> it comes back. So we're moving out here to Los Angeles. Herbalife is really, really big out here. And so I moved out here, um, got involved, and, in, you know, they have different groups and everything out here and all that stuff. Uh, and it was cool. Um, I liked it. And I kind of ventured off and started doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't say my, I shouldn't say my own thing because I was doing my, doing my, my little thug thizzle from, the beginning yeah. you see i say body by lease um yeah. I, that's my hashtag body by lease strong is beautiful i don't like the fact that people want to um say they want to be skinny i mm-hmm. don't like that i want people to understand it's more about you as a person as an individual like i want you to work on yourself not just trying to be skinny this is like uh, inside you got to work inside out Cause I was not training people at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't start training people when I moved out here. Now, when I was in it, I wasn't training nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just me working on getting ready for my first show. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until after I finished my first show, I started taking on clients and like really being hands on and helping, you know, doing a personal training. Things like that. Um, let me tell you something that I ran into after my after after enduring getting ready for my show. And break us down for our audience. When you say a show, what show? And kind of, because I, I know what the show is, but just break it down. Um, it was my NPC figure uh, show. NPC stands for National Physique Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's bodybuilding. 
bodybuilding. Like, do y'all realize? Like, bodybuilding Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, she's it's crazy. Like, like so. If all of us listening to car, like, this is not a show. This ain't a. This is this is real. Like, you see these physiques, and I'm like, this is not even making any sense. How does somebody get like that? So you're training, right? So break us in that story. I just wanted to set the set the picture, set the move with it. Bodybuilding. All right, ladies, don't get nervous. Like, it's not like I'm walking out around here and I got muscles everywhere. No, that's not it. Uh, I actually, I do the figure category of the bodybuilding, which if you've seen bikini models, bikini bodybuilding models, we are a little more defined than them. They like to say bikini bodybuilders have a four pack and figure we have six packs. That was extensive training. I trained really hard for six weeks, mm-hmm. which usually your average person, they train for way longer than six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, six weeks meaning six weeks prior to the date of the exact show. I was on a very strict diet for six weeks. Oh. So walk us through what does a strict diet look like? Oh my gosh. First of all, let me just throw this out there. No salt on anything. Mm-hmm. No salt. Um... Actually, you're all everything that you eat is going to be pretty bland. You're eating chicken breast, turkey breast, steak every now and then, spinach, no kale. Sauce. All this food is dry. And a lot of veggies, for me anyway, everybody's diet could be completely different depending on areas that need work, They're like areas meaning on their body. There were some days I was so tired of eating, I was eating spinach and broccoli dry. It was crazy. Like, it was just crazy. It was, for me, more mentally challenging than physical. Mm -hmm. The working out part was a breeze. But to actually meal prep to that extent, meal prepping six times a day from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep. Mm. I was eating every two to three hours. I was working out anywhere from two to three times a day. It was tough. So what were the results of the, the competition? I won my first show. Well, I won the first and only show that I've done. And I also qualified for nationals. Um, oh, six weeks of training? Yeah. Wow. That, look, that's why I said, hold on, wait, I know, let me clear this up. Your average person trains longer than six weeks. Mm-hmm. Usually, you got people that, like, they train for a long time mm-hmm. before they start, you know. Before they hit the stage, everybody' body is just different. That's mm-hmm. all, and we all at different stages. Mm-hmm. Of our- <laughs> uh, yeah, you just got like that was the humble way of saying I just got it like that. <laughs> but the thing, but the thing is, like you've been all this to say your whole life you've been putting in the work to find it. It wasn't like you were a blob, and then in six weeks you just turned in winning competition, going to nationals. It was not an overnight type deal. You've been training the whole time, and I think that's the the rhythm of this whole show. And you kind of showing your ups and your downs, but at the end of the day, the core foundation outside of Christ and God or whatnot was your fitness. That's mm-hmm. always brought you back in that fitness, and that allowed you after six weeks of intense sacrifice, commitment, and dedication and discipline, you mm-hmm. were allowed to do that. Now. So when is the national competition? So I had a medical setback back in May, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to hit national stage in July. Uh, but it's cool because, you know, things don't happen the way we want them to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm understanding that more and more every day. You know, this is, we on God's time. We ain't on our time. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was not able to go on stage July 4th, I was like, wow, 
well, why not? You know, that's what I wanted to ask. Why not? Like, why did everything have to happen to me right before? You know, I felt like things were just happening. Everything, opportunities were unfolding for me. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, here is a big hole in the road mm -hmm. that I cannot go around. Um, my medical setback was, it really set me back. I'm actually working my way back into this whole regimen of training. Mm -hmm. I'm not back to training like I was four mm -hmm. months ago, yeah. five months ago, uh -huh. but it's okay. But to be perfectly honest with you, the training that I went through to get ready for the show, is this, is it something that I agree with? No, it's mm -hmm. not. Is it a lifestyle that I want to live? No, it's not. You heard me. I said I was on a diet. I don't ever promote diets uh, unless you have a goal that you're trying to reach in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But that is just unnatural. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so much easier to live a healthy, active lifestyle, you know, around your life. Do what works for you. And that's what I try to get my clients to understand. I need you to focus on you. That person that you see when you're looking in the mirror, mm -hmm. that's who you need to be worried about. Because that's if you don't have yourself together, how are you supposed to help somebody else? We're all a work in progress every single day. Now, before we transition to the last part of the show, I want to ask, act like I'm a client, right? And I'm just trying to lose weight. I'm trying to get, where do you usually start? Like, how does that process start? Because I All right, your average person, this is what they say. Uh -huh. I don't want to lose weight. I just want to tone. <laughs> I just want to tone uh -huh. and I want to lose my stomach, but I don't want to lose weight. They put emphasis on they do not want to lose weight. All right. So that's what you just told me. And this is going to be my response. Are you worried about the number on the scale or are you worried about how you look when you see yourself in the mirror? And they always usually say, I want to look, I want to like what I see when I look in the mirror. All right, cool. So let's just get rid of the number. Next, I'm asking, okay, so when we talk about the money, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, because, yeah, that probably is. I know uh, a couple <laughs> of friends, because, I mean, I didn't, even one of my friends, I was like, I, I, I was just, I was just teasing them. I was like, oh, yeah, send me, I might, I might want to train with you a couple times a week. He sent me that invoice. I said, dang, my money is safe, bro. You got to know your worth. I know people are always like, hey, can I help you? Blah, 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 blah. And then you, they, you yeah. send them that, this is what it costs. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can skip that though. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're listening, whoever's listening, understand you don't do you don't work for free. You yeah. don't work for free. Okay. If you have a God given talent, you know what I mean? Somebody gotta be able to help pay these bills. So remember that. But anyway, so I asked them, you know, realistically, how many times a week do you think you like to work out? They tell me. Um, I asked them what their lifestyle is like right now. Um, I usually like to figure out what kind of foods they are, what kind of foods are they already eating, you know, things of that nature. And then from there, we'll set up a schedule. The hardest part for people is the eating part, their nutrition and changing up their nutrition. It's something that does not happen overnight. And another important question I ask them, is this something that you want to do or is this something that somebody else is wanting for you? They usually tell me it's something that they want to do, but that's really critical because at the end of the day, if it's something, is it, if losing weight and getting healthy isn't something that the individual wants to do, we're going to ultimately end up wasting time. They wasted my time and they wasting their own time. I could be helping somebody else.
Mm-hmm. But they have to hold themselves accountable. You know, I do my best at holding them accountable. But if you only with me for one hour out of a 24 hour day mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's seven days in a week uh-huh. um, and I, you see me three to four times a week, um, that's only four hours. Really easy. Working with me is really easy. It's no guesswork. Uh-huh. We, how many days a week we going to meet? These are the kind of workouts we going to do. The food regimen that I can put you on. Okay. Okay. Let's go to the next let's go to the next round and uh, I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions. This is not the rapid fire. This is kind of a step before that. And we're going to get a little deep. We're going to get a little deep. Uh-oh. Um knowing what you know today, what advice would you give Lauren yourself 10 years ago? Almost told my age. Anyway, <laughs> y'all women in this age. I ain't tripping. I ain't tripping. Okay, I tell myself to be patient and to always surround myself with assets. Always. Ooh, break break that down. Break that down. What is that? What does that mean? I supply myself with assets. Like I'm I'm taking those right now. What is that? I didn't think about it until I got a little older. But I, I, you always have to think of yourself as you have something to lose. So if you have something to lose, you're going to hang out with pe- other people who have a lot and everything to lose. Mm-hmm. So as far as the people that I spend time with, the things that I'm doing, the places where I'm going, I always surround myself with assets, not liabilities. <laughs> That's- My baby brother, um, I have to use him as an example. He got drafted. Mm-hmm. He plays baseball. He got drafted out of high school. And he he he, he wanted to go right then. Um, but all his older siblings went to college. So he's like, oh, I, well, I want to go to college. I want to get this college experience. And we looking at him like, what? What is baseball money? He's <laughs> 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 like, what is baseball money? But at the same time, you know, like my, my my siblings, they went to college and they were successful and they, you know, they doing this, they doing that. He wanted that experience. So um, baseball is a little different. You know, you can go to junior college and still get drafted, whereas going to a four year university, um, you have to stay there for four or three years. So he went to a junior college and he got drafted after his freshman year. And he he always talk about how bored he is. And the only response that I have to him is, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> it's lonely. I was like, you you only 21 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, you're working on being in the major leagues real soon. So you can't be out here doing what your average 21-year-old is doing. That's unacceptable. You, you can't live your life like that. And I would have told myself that 10 years ago. That's real. And to, it's crazy you bring that up because I was talking to some middle schoolers, uh, 250 middle schoolers uh, Thursday. And I was like, it kills me when people say they're bored, but they're broke or they got it's, dreams or they want to be the best at something. They want to mm-hmm. achieve something. How could you be bored? Right. <laughs> you could be reading on your craft. You could be studying something. You could be th- you could do anything and you're bored. Like mm-hmm. everybody I say every every time I'm like, hey, how many of y'all want to be basketball players? Every middle schooler in America wants to be a right basketball player in the NBA. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how many of y'all be bored? Cause you know online they do that TBH stuff on Instagram and stuff like that. I would say, Y'all mm-hmm. bored. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. You you can't make a left hand layup and you bored. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be a track star. Okay, then shoot, then how hard are you working? 
Mm-hmm. You bored, but it makes no sense. And I'm glad you kind of let them know, like, little bro, you want to be the MLB. You want to make these big bucks. You want to change the world and all this other stuff. But you, you, you bored. What you mean, dude? Lock exactly. in. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I would tell myself that, you know, be patient. And, you know, Lauren, surround yourself with assets. Mm, that's powerful. I'm going to put that on my... I'm, I'm going to get that tattooed. I don't got no tattoo, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it makes it, it, it... It just makes it so much easier because you already, as a human, we already make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, we already do things uh, just because. Mm-hmm. So if you... And peer pressure, you know, we do succumb to peer pressure sometimes. I don't care how strong-minded an individual may be. But if you around other people who have just as much to lose as you do, if not more, the chances of them making a reckless decision about <laughs> doing something <laughs> you know, or saying something is very, it's much slimmer than the group over there that's like, you know what? I was born into this. This what it's gonna be. You know what I mean? Uh, I I can't escape it. So I may as well go ahead and do X, Y, and Z. No, that's unacceptable. <laughs> you you you. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. You need to be a life coach, man. Well, I went to all black schools growing up. Uh-huh. I went to all black schools. You know, growing up, and <clears throat> I saw that. I and I see it. I still see it. I love my hometown. I, and I, I love, love, love Tallahassee. And I wish that I could go back to Tallahassee and just turn and do a whole 180. Granted, there are a lot of great things that are going on at the same time. You know, if we could just get out of this small-minded oh, way of thinking, I feel like, you know, the world would be so much better. I understand that some of us are born into situations, but that doesn't mean that has to be your permanent situation. End of the day. What type of legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's really deep. It's kind of morbid, but. I want people to say she smiled and danced through every storm. You probably would have never known it was storming because she was still smiling and she was still dancing. Man, every single day, if you kind of just every storm in life that comes and you just keep flexing, then that's great, man. That's powerful. That's powerful. So reason why I said that experience, my experience that I just recently had, um, the doctor kind of solidified that statement for me because it was a very, at the time, I didn't know how extreme my situation was. I didn't know how bad it was until a couple weeks later. Um, but the doctor said, you know, usually when I have women who come in here with this problem or remotely close you know, something is close. He's like, they are in pain. They're crying. They can't make a straight face. Like, they are in pain. He said, <laughs> and I laughed, you know, <laughs> not because it was funny. Um, just because I'm a firm believer and everything happens for a reason. And I believe in the higher power that, you know, he knows exactly what everything is in his hands. Everything in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, that's why I try to live each day to the fullest. But the doctor said, you know, you you smiled all the way up until it was time for you to go into surgery. You know, and at that point, of course, I, they had anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. She came to me and said, I even smiled when she said, "These, you know, this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Now, if things don't go the way they're supposed to happen, 
you know, do you want it? I said, what you telling me for? I ain't going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked up. My sister was behind me. I said, you might want to tell her. And so everybody laughed. And after that, I don't remember nothing else after that. But um, I'm a firm believer in there is no such thing as a bad situation. If you're able to live from it, you're able to learn from it. So that's what I want people to know. You close my curtain, you know. You can just end it. She smiled and danced through every storm. Oh man, golly, I'm about to. I'm. I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm a, when, I, when I say this podcast, I'm gonna listen to it myself a couple times. <laughs> this is. This is. This is. A, oh, this is a feast. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's end it on a good. Let's end it on a good note. We got the culture change round. I got five questions, um, rapid fire, and we are gonna go from there. You ready? Uh, sure. <laughs> and it's not a crazy question. This is the best piece of advice. That you've ever received? Oh wow! Take care of your body, cause time gonna take care of you. Mm, I never heard that one. Take care, of and if you can give us thirty seconds, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> My daddy used to tell me that growing up. I used to be like, "What, Dad? What does that mean?" And so <laughs> now I get it. Being that I have to help people all the time, and I hear so many excuses about why people can't do this, why people can't do that. Well. Guess what? If you cannot set aside the time to get the things done that you're supposed to get done, don't worry. Time will take care of that. Time will do exactly what you did not want to do, if not more. So therefore, do what you need to do to take care of yourself and your situation today, because time is already going to do whatever it wants to do anyway. With time, things are going to happen. And some of those things are going to be out of your control. What is one of your personal habits that you can mostly attribute to your success? Reading. <laughs> Which leads to our next question. What is your favorite book and why? Outside of the Bible. Um, John C. Maxwell, How Successful People Think. Interesting. From the outside looking in, people say, oh, she's in the fitness, she does hair. Reading? So kind of <laughs> like, they're like, what? I mean, if they're driving the car, like, what? Laurie, I'm reading. She'd be like, what? She had no time to read. She's a bodybuilder. She's a, she does hair. She does everything. So what? So why is reading so important? First, I learn words. I learn new words. And I mean, I just, I, it's my downtime. That's my me time by myself. But at the same time, you know, when I'm reading, it just takes me to a whole other different world. I start thinking about all kind of stuff. While I'm reading, I can jot stuff, you know, jot ideas down or different ideas may come to me. Um, and I like John C. Maxwell. I like him as an author. I love his books. Fires you the most and keeps you motivated? My future and my past. The fact that everything that I've done in my past, I said that I was going to do it before I did it. That keeps me motivated. Continue to speak my future into existence because i know if i say it it's gonna happen i'm gonna get it done i mean i get it done tomorrow but it's gonna happen and the next one gonna throw you off a little bit if you were the president of the united states <laughs> what is the first thing you would do uh, throw a barbecue <laughs> <laughs> i like it I have I like a crab it. boil or something like that i'm not lying i am so serious the day i got inaugurated i'll be like all right i'm gonna wrap this speech up and um we about to go fire up the grill, got some crabs, 
so serious. I love. No, I'm, I love I'm, it. I love I mean, it. It's real. I mean, that's the first time because we had 20 people on the show. You like Obama? <laughs> if you listening, you you need before you go, man. Throw that barbecue. Yeah. For the world. Mm-hmm. Let me, uh, before we wrap it up, I have our final question. This is outside the rapid fire. Great, great, great round. And this is our deep because I call myself the culture change agent, and we're all culture change. Anybody that's pushing society forward and changing the culture that you're a culture change agent and this whole show is inspired to uplift our community and and all that so it, this question arises around that if you could change one thing about society most specifically our african-american culture what would it be and why and wow i guess the one thing is i, I would definitely target our youth and um try to Get them to understand and see that there's more to life than the material things that we see on television. And that they can, they don't have to, they don't have to submit to the African-American stereotype that we are going to amount to very little and that your opportunities are limited because I feel like we have just as much, just as many opportunities as anybody else walking around here. One, you realize who you are. And you're being that consistently every single day and doing what you can do because. Yep. So, I mean, the youth are important. I feel like that's when you, you know, you're able to snatch us up. If you can catch us when we teenagers and put us where we supposed to be or not a little bit of sense into our head. I feel like, hey, there it is. Because it really only takes one that one teen, that one teenager who's like, oh, wow. Cause that one teenager, he got about ten friends. He or she got about ten friends. Yeah. You know, out of those ten, two of them may follow them and say, "You know what? I'm gonna go over here and do what they doing." But that's all it takes. Cause it'll be a domino effect after that. And next thing you know, we'll be on the rise. We'll be all in the White House. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. So I live and kind of what you're saying, like the body that you have today, all that's because everything you talk about right now, you live it. Like mm-hmm. you live it. A lot of people want to talk, but they're not living it. And the more you show your example, because you're touching the lives of one or two people. And right now you're touching a lot, a lot of people, one or two people. And then the other person touching a lot, one or two people by living it. And then it just, it's like a domino effect. Everybody just like jazzed and motivated. Mm-hmm. And, but that's why you have to be transparent and all the other stuff. We can talk about it for that, but it's probably powerful. <laughs> I've had a great time really talking with you, Lauren. And Thanks our for audience. <laughs> our audience has really gained a lot from it. So, question: Where can we find more information about you, or or where can people contact you at? Um, you can contact me via email if you like. Um, Life by Lauren, L Y F E by Lauren B Y L A U R E N at gmail dot com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Lauren Smith, L A U R E N guys. Uh, and I'm on Instagram as well, Lauren underscore Smith 12. And I'm on Twitter. <laughs> so you can find me everywhere. I'm, I don't have a website or a blog up just yet. I do talk, you know, to people. If you hit me up, I love interacting with folks. It's, you know, please keep the negativity to yourself. I'm, <laughs> I'm a really positive person. <laughs> but yes, you know, you can find me any of those places. I do respond back. I would like to thank Lauren for coming on the Minority Trailblazer podcast, sharing her story, sharing her advice, sharing her her background, her history. It meant a lot. And I know the audience appreciates it. And thank you for lending your time and being on the show. And that's the end 
of episode 10 of the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. We 10 episodes in. That's crazy, man. I can't wait to get to y'all next week. We got some more fire for you. And for those of you that want to do uh, get more information on the podcast, uh, reach out. The email is at no, minoritytrailblazer at gmail.com. You can reach us online at www.greggyhill.com. Follow us on Instagram at minoritytrailblazer. You can follow me on Instagram. Shout out to the plug at Greggy Hill. And um, thank you for listening f- to this episode. It really means a lot. I do not take any listen for granted. So any suggestions, anything you anything you want to add, anybody you want to see, just add me on Twitter, at Greggy Hill. Add me on Instagram. Let me know. Let your voice be heard, all right? So remember, if you haven't already, because if you listen this far, and that means you a true, true, true fan. So definitely um, subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a rating, a five-star at that, and you have a great show. So you know how I like to do. Remember, remember, remember one, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing this week, today, right now. Change the culture. Good night, America.